I needed someone to say they appreciated me as a whole person or they, they admired other things about me other than running because all of this effort and think about all the mental space that was going into this when it was all surrounded about running and performing as an athlete. There was nothing about my, my intelligence, my kindness, my relationships. It was just so hyper-focused on that. So if there was someone valuing me as a whole person and exploring those other areas that I enjoy as a human being and not just as an ath- a human doing and performing as an athlete, you know, we're called human beings for a reason. We're supposed to be. It's not supposed to take all this effort to try and manipulate and perform. Hey there, I'm Ashley Burkhart, owner of Ashley B Training, former D1 athlete and professional athlete in the game of softball. I even spent a little bit of time coaching at the college level as well. But now I coach athletes and especially youth athletes. And I try to teach them the ways to become the very best versions of themselves. And I know that they can't do that without a support system that will do anything and everything to make sure their dreams and their goals happen for them. A lot of times I hear parents and coaches saying, hey, I'm just gonna dish my athlete off to you. Hopefully you can figure out what her issue is. Here's the deal. That's not how we should coach. That's not how we should parent. And I can tell you right now, I'm not a parent, but your athlete is the most influenced by you. And I truly believe that you are one of the reasons why she plays the game. And I truly believe you are one of the reasons why she plays so hard. So if we can learn from some of the greats, I'm going to have some of the best softball players, some of the best softball players, parents, even my parents and my family are going to be on this podcast sharing our journeys with you so that when the cleats do come off, you know what to say so that she can learn from her mistakes sooner, so that she can become the best version of her. And that's what we want. We want our athletes to be able to thrive. And that's why we're here. So welcome to this podcast. This is going to get real. This is going to get deep. And I'm here to challenge your thinking. That's why I coach. I'm really excited for you to be here. And I can't wait to hear who else is going to be along this journey with us. Learning from some of the best. I'm going to be learning too. So whip out your notebook and let's head to the next episode. Welcome to another episode of When the Cleats Come Off podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Burkhart, and I have an awesome guest today. We just met last week because we have a mutual friend that was like, hey, you guys need to meet. This is Chloe Molesky. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm super stoked to be here. Yes, we're going to have so much fun in this conversation. I did not realize how similar we were until we were like talking on the phone last week. And how you and I love to talk about not just the physical aspect of sport, but combining the mental aspect as well. And you're a mental performance coach and you're a former D1 athlete and you've been through all the things. And I think that we would be giving the audience an injustice if we didn't have you share your collegiate journey, maybe before that, and where you are now and what you're up to. So let's let's just have you have the floor and take over. Okay. Again, thank you for having me. I am super excited to be here. Um, So yeah, I am in a really great place right now because all the things have connected for me and my journey as an athlete and my education is now feeling like I can really serve 
the athletes I'm working with. So I'm really excited. Um, how I got here, I, uh, I grew up in a small town in New Hampshire. I was recruited by a lot of D1 schools and chose to go to Duke. And I had this huge, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't call it a downfall, but I, it was, uh, it was shocking. It was shocking to get, to go from being uh, a big fish in a small pond to feeling like a minnow in an ocean. And my whole identity of being an athlete. And that's where I was, I realize now that that's where I was getting all of my confidence was from being an athlete. And I get to Duke and I'm no longer winning. I'm surrounded by the most talented people. I'm the smartest people. It was, it was just really hard for me mentally. And I was so stressed that I broke, I got injured. I was never injured in high school. I played every sport. I was you know, running around with my, with my brothers, doing all the things, but I got to Duke and I was so stressed that I just broke. And then I realized not having the running as my identity, it, I had to start searching in other ways. And at the time I didn't really know how to, so I just put my head down. I was cross training. I was just sticking to, okay, this is what I got to do. Just got to keep going. Got to keep going. I graduated uh, with not a very meaningful career in college. And, you know, that's still kind of a pain point for me. You know, I, I look back and I feel disappointed in myself that I wasn't able to perform. And I just kept, so also I was a track athlete just to give some context. So it was running, which is a very hard sport mentally. I'd say that swimming is the one that I would, the only other sport that I would think is a little bit more tough because you're just so much time in your head. Right. You know, you don't, you can't, you're not passing the ball to anyone. You have teammates, but you're basically just suffering with them, <laughs> to be honest. Yep. So it, it was really challenging. So I graduated and I just kept running, trying to figure out like why, why that didn't work. Why was my college career not great? Like, what was that? And I, I got to California and I started doing personal training, kind of just hanging on to that identity of sports and working with people physically. And I would have my intake calls or sessions. They were in person at this time. And I realized that I was most interested in people's why. Like, why are you choosing to get fit? Like, you know, behind every push-up, there's a reason, you know? And that's what was really fascinating me. So then I chose to go back to school for psychology and kind of focus on the mental part. And then my big light bulb was when I was in a behavioral psychology class and I had a, a really masterful professor who, you know, works with tons of clients, including athletes, but she had very little background on sports. So I just realized what an impact I could make with my background as an athlete and my passion for the mental part and just realizing how important that is. Uh, and then the other thing I would just like to add is I've been working for a health coaching company for four years. So the nutrition part was also huge because body image and my relationship with food and my teammates relationships with food really impacted my experience. So now when I work with athletes, it's truly very holistic. You know, I have the personal training background. I have the nutrition background. I have that being an athlete, the actual experience. And then the key part for me, the psychological part is now, you know, full, fully, it's well-rounded and you can't separate them. It's all connected. Yeah. I love your story. And now do you kind of wish that with the knowledge you have now, you wish you would have had that in college? Yeah, I really do. And you know, what's wild is my personal records, my PRs are 
all from post-college, which is unheard of. And I wouldn't say unheard of, but it's, it's pretty rare, especially like, and it's all mental. It's all because of the mental training I did and all honestly the strength training too. So coming from a running background, mentally it's put in our head, the lighter you are, the faster you're going to be. And I was never the lightest. I wasn't even close to being the lightest. I was always on the other side of the spectrum. So that really took a toll on me mentally because I would go into races already thinking I was at a disadvantage because I don't have, you know, I don't, I can't say that in my head. Oh, I'm light and fast. Like I I couldn't because I was comparing myself to the people I was racing against and teammates. But when I shifted that to, oh, I'm strong, so I'm capable. That's where it changed everything. So my mantra changed from, oh, light and fast. I could never say that. It never resonated with, with me. It would be like bullshit. I don't know who I want to swear. But, uh, <laughs> I'm saying that because it's not true to I'm strong and capable. And that's what got me through my races post-college and my mindset to persevere, period. Wow. And that's so interesting because you think of like college athletics is mostly a place where like it's hard to not thrive because of all the opportunities or just the people you have to work with, sports psychology. Did you have a sports psychology coach in college? Yeah. And a dietitian and, you know, a strength training. But like, it seems like you kind of didn't really resonate well with that, but like found your niche post-college. Now, was that because you were like not satisfied with your college performance that you're like, I need to figure this out? Or was it just when you were studying that um, in your master's that you figured that stuff out? So I don't know what your experience at college was. We had all the resources. I feel really grateful for that. I wish that all the sections talked more. Mm. because, And that's why I'm in this career now where I combine everything because it's interdisciplinary. You can't detach one thing from the other. You know, I couldn't talk to my sports psychologist without talking about my relationship with food and my relationship with my body on the track. And, and then I would talk to a nutritionist and, you know, they're not talking to each other. So I think that's something that needs to change in the industry in general. I think people need to be communicating more if they are in wellness period to keep our athletes well and competing at a high level. So that was one thing that was a a missing puzzle piece. You had another part of the question. I can't remember. Yeah. I was just curious if it was more of an inspiration that, you know, because you were taking that psychology aspect, that's what motivated you to be like, oh, I can, I can break these records that I had on myself. Like I can find my new PR later. So it was never my goal. I think a lot of it too was the pressure, Mm. you know? So I got to college and especially if you're on a scholarship in some capacity, I was putting, I was like, yo, you have to perform. You, you're you here for a reason. This is why you're here. This is why you're here. This is who you are. So if I wasn't living up to that, that was, I was, I was feeling shame. I was feeling guilty. And, you know, that's no way to go through your college experience. And it, it hindered me from connecting with my peers, with my teammates in a, in a more meaningful way, because I just felt like I was letting myself down and letting other people down. Yeah. And I think that that was your inside of college, but I think even athletes prior to college are feeling that in some certain way because there's so much pressure to play in college. So I think this is such a beautiful message because there's so many athletes that are going through similar, you know, doubts or fears or pressures that it's so it's so awesome to have you here today because you can actually share that insight that you have. Now, you mentioned your body image and I really love this part because we talked about this before we started recording. And I know, 
you are one of the strongest people I've ever seen on Instagram. Like we'll tell you how to follow her at the end, but you are so strong and, and like your strength is something that you take a lot of pride in. And most athletes that run long distance are, they don't look like that, but you're, you're breaking all these records like that. So like, can you just tell me maybe some of the pressures that you had with your body image, but how you got over that to then break the, the PRs later? Yeah. So I would say it all started. So this is the reason I'm so inspired to work with young athletes is because I have a specific moment in sixth grade that kind of changed my whole trajectory and how I th- thought of my body and my myself as an athlete. Mm. And it was when one of my coaches told me that I was the Clydesdale and his other two runners were the thoroughbreds. And he meant it in the most positive way. He was saying, Chloe, you're so strong. You don't break. That's amazing. But I took it as, oh, you're big, you're a big runner. Mm. And so from that moment on, that was all I saw. And, I, you know, it's, it's like when you buy a new car and then you see that car everywhere. It's, uh, that was all I saw in myself and that was all I was looking for. If anyone said anything about my body being strong or big, that w- they could say, Chloe, you're so lean or skinny. I, would, I wouldn't even hear that. I would only hear, wow, Chloe, your thighs are big and you're strong. Like that's, that's all I would hear. Yeah. So it changed everything. And I think if I had a soundboard and a coach or a mentor at that point telling me that that's not how he meant it, that would have changed things quite a bit for me. Mm. So that's what I try to do with my athletes now is when they have experiences, I reframe and make sure that they're not building these stories that are going to affect them long-term so they can have a healthy, whole, happy life and not be sticking to this narrative that's no longer benefiting them. So I was sticking that narrative and it wasn't benefiting me at all. In fact, it was hurting me a lot. It affected everything. Wow. So how did you then get over that, that hump? Like, was there a certain time or experience that made you start talking to yourself differently? So I kind of went the opposite route. So then I'm on a distance running team in college. And a lot of times those environments aren't the healthiest in terms of eating habits So I almost went the opposite route. I was like, okay, I'm going to prove that I can eat whatever I want and do whatever I want and still run fast. And again, that wasn't healthy either. You know, like that, what, how is that serving me? It's not, it was a chip on my shoulder and yeah, it was, it was doing no good. And so I, again, if there was someone to help work through that, that would have been huge. Yeah. So (laughs) Um, what did you need then? What did, what do you need? What did you need to hear at that time? Truthfully, I think, I needed just a little bit of my identity to be not focused on running. I needed someone to say they appreciated me as a whole person or they, mm. they admired other things about me other than running because all of this effort and think about all the mental space that was going into this. And it was all surrounded about running and performing as an athlete. There was nothing about my, my intelligence, my kindness, my relationships. It was just so hyper-focused on that. So if there was someone valuing me as a whole person and exploring those other areas that I enjoy as a human being and not just as an ath- a human doing and performing as an athlete, you know, we're called human beings for a reason. We're supposed to be. It's not supposed to take all this effort to try and manipulate and perform. So I think developing all areas is just paramount. Yeah. 
Yeah. No wonder why you're a coach now. You're like, I need to tell the athletes that I never heard. I need to tell them all the things that I wish I would have heard. That's beautiful. That's awesome. So now you talk about identity and who you are outside of the sport. So how are you coaching athletes now? Because I know a lot of parents and coaches are going to be listening to this thinking, well, how can I help the athlete think more holistically and think more of just things outside of the sport and not just the sport all the time. How are you coaching your athletes to think and do other things to make that happen for them? Yeah. So my main approach is definitely mindfulness. I use mindfulness commitment therapy is what I call it. And it's taking them through what mindfulness is first off. So them becoming aware of these thoughts and feelings, but not necessarily pressing against them because I think the key to changing the behavior long-term is first of all, them just recognizing and accepting it. You know, Mm -hmm. it took me so long because I, I, I didn't have enough mental capacity or guidance to even realize I was feeling these things. So recognizing, I mean, we all, we hear that before, you know, you got to know the problem before you can fix it. But then through being mindful, they can pick up on things. So for instance, one of my clients right now, uh, she is on track to play division one basketball and we focus on, she she already knows. She's like, you know, I like to, like, she knows it's all about the journey and trusting the process. And if you're an athlete, I'm sure you have that mantra in some capacity, (laughs) trust the process but not like not getting caught up in these long-term goals. Yeah, she wants to play division one, but what decision can we make right now? And like in every, in, in breaking it down to every moment where you can just make a good decision and know that that's going to lead you where you want to be eventually and not hyper-focusing on that long-term, oh, I want to go D1, I want to go play professional, which is really hard, but just bringing it back to the present as mm. much as we can. And just doing that as a reminder. And it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. You're not going to just one day be able to be present constantly. It takes practice just the way like in a batting cage or anything else. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you think your favorite part is? Coaching an athlete, maybe that is going through that. I have this big, big time goal and, you know, I'm here with you today. I'm going to work on with you on whatever it's going to take for me to help get there. Like, what's your favorite thing about coaching? My favorite thing is definitely when clients have aha moments. Mm. I like working with younger, younger populations, especially because, you know, you see it on their face and it is just, it lights me up because yeah, it's amazing. But I love working through visualization. So as much as we work on being present, starting to get an idea of, okay, what does that college experience look like for you? I know you're saying you want to play division one, but how do you, what does that look like to you? And, and that could be so many things. It's like, oh, um, it looks like my, all my teammates are smiling all the time or, you know, like getting an idea of what that environment looks like so we can start cultivating that and know that that's what we're working for. Mm, that's really powerful. I love that. Hey y'all, one of the questions that people ask me all the time, and these are parents asking me, how can my daughter gain more confidence? Well, this was asked to me 
at the very beginning of COVID, and I knew it was a time where athletes were struggling with their mental game. So when it comes to being confident, it really comes down to a few things. It comes down to believing in all the things and all the training that you've put into yourself and truly believing that you are worthy of making those things happen. And I am sharing some of these tips with you guys inside of the $7 Goal Smasher course. So I believe that confidence comes with having a goal and finding and seeing progress towards it. So inside the $7 Goal Smasher course, basically are 14 days worth of 30 minute exercises, which last time I checked, a lot of kids are on their phones for 30 minutes or more a day. So I feel like this could be 30 minutes well spent, especially because they're gonna see progress in themselves and their belief system. So there are 30 minute prompts from doing a check of what are the things that your athlete is great at. Sometimes athletes that suffer with confidence issues, they forget what they're great at and they only think about the things that they're not. So there's multiple exercises to work on that. There's also some exercises to simply talk and express their feelings with their parents. This is also something that's not easy for athletes to do, but when it happens, the magic happens. I swear, I cannot tell you how many people have reached out to me telling me, wow, that was powerful. I'm so glad my athlete could do that. You can just tell she got stronger today. So if your athlete needs a little boost of confidence and has 30 minutes a day for the next 14 days, I want you to head to www.ashleybtraining.com and sign up for the $7 course. It's under the train with me tab. I cannot wait to meet your athlete virtually because she's taken this program. And honestly too, I know we've talked about the Smash Tribe membership before, but Smash Tribe members get automatic access to the $7 course as well. So that's an extra perk inside the membership that you guys will have access to as well. So www.ashleybtraining.com, click on the train with me tab and let's get started on our mental skills today. With that, let's head to the rest of today's episode. So a lot of people are probably thinking, okay, what does mind-body connection truly mean? And you figure that out after college. If you could share with you know athletes or parents right now and say, hey, this is what mind-body connection is, and maybe one practice that you can do every day to get yourself feeling that, what, what would that be for you? I always recommend visualization before races or competitions. One of my friends who's a mental performance coach, she actually has been coming out with meditation series that are kind of like pump up, but getting your, your mind-body awareness in line. I think that's a powerful tool. I think, uh, I'm going to butcher his last name. <laughs> it's okay. I, I'll, you can put it in the show notes or whatnot, but he's basically the master of flow. And so flow is something that I really focus on in my practice because it's related to mindfulness and it's kind of the next step and it's the opposite of apathy so the opposite of being bored and having no attachment to what's happening attachment's probably not that right word but just not being invested it's the sliver between being confident and being challenged and i think this is where all the beauty happens in sport mm. you know yeah you're a competitive athlete so what that looks like is instead of, you know, counting, if you're in practice and you're training and you're doing strength training and counting reps, 
you're actually focusing on the movement and thinking about how this is helping you in your performance in the long run. Not just making sure that you're as present as you can be with everything you are doing. There's another book, it's called The Talent Code. Mm. And it talks about like intentional practice and how like you could practice for two hours a day, but you could get even more benefits if you're doing 40 minutes and you're completely locked in. And there's actually neuroscience behind this. So there's myelin that pretty much layers the cells and this is what creates the habits and makes you skillful and masterful. So that's something that I'm exploring a lot more is the neuroscience behind all of this. Mm-hmm. As much as I love the the people interaction, the science behind it is fascinating and it's there. So yeah, cool. I loved when you talked about like in the weight room when you're when you're putting in like reps. It's it reminds me of you know when I would struggle in the weight room with a specific movement. And instead of like trying to, you know, come up with words in my head to try to get me through it, it was like Mm -hmm. my strength coach saying something like, hey, lock your heels into the ground and pretend like your legs are like a tree trunk. And like, you know, that, that thing in my mind, it's like, it's so easy to pick up on and be like, oh, okay. And now I'm all of a sudden more balanced and I'm doing the movement better because of that one cue that my coach gave me. And so that, I love that you mentioned that because, you know, that's what I think the fun part about being, you know, a softball coach and a hitting coach is, you know, telling the athlete what they need to hear, but in a way to where it makes them, it distracts them from the negative thoughts that they might have in their brain. Like one of my favorite things in the cage is like, if I want somebody to hit a line drive up the middle, instead of saying hit a line drive up the middle, it's like, no, pretend the ball's on a string from you to the catcher, from the tee to the pitcher and say, keep the ball on that string the entire time. If they're focusing on that, they're going to get the result that we're looking for, which is the line drive. So, yes. What I love about that too is it releases that pressure from that normal lexicon of like, oh, you need to hit a line drive. Like that's, that's what you need to do right now. And it allows the athlete to have some creativity and take some ownership of what they are doing, which I, I love. Yeah. It, I And it's funny that I didn't really think of that mind-body connection until you brought that up. So I think that's so cool. And, you know, just another thing off the top of my head that I thought of when you said that was a lot of times athletes in softball, if their hands get away from them, they'll start pulling balls foul, which is not where we want to hit it. And mm-hmm. ideally we want to work opposite field so that our hands stay close. And instead of saying, hey, hit the ball to the right side of the field, saying, hey, pretend like your brother... <laughs> is like standing right there and like hit him. Like maybe he's in line with like the second base. Like, hey, hit your brother. And like their swing is a million times better because they're focused on like something that they can tangibly like see instead of trying to do something they don't know how to do, you know? And you know what else? The, The other connection I'm making is that it's bringing sport it's intersecting sport with other aspects of their life. Mm -hmm. And that's like, for me, what I think the missing piece is, is we get so hyper-focused on the sports and the movements and the training and, you know, but what are the, what's the training we're doing off the field and how are we connecting that to being good, solid, happy human beings? So connecting it to like a sibling doing something or focusing on other aspects and not putting all this pressure on hit the ball. You can't hit a foul ball. Like, you know, bringing it back to being a human being. (laughs) Yeah. So I know you don't play softball and you run and I'm really curious, you know, cause you talked about like what you do to pump yourself up. Can mm-hmm. you give us some examples of like before a big performance that you have and mm-hmm. 
just maybe a routine that you do that every single time that you run, like this is what you do to pump yourself up. Like, do you have a couple things that you do before you do that? Yeah, definitely. I will. I will also say, I think back in my college and even high school career, I was almost too intense with my routines. Like I was so strict and um, and neurotic and anxious and had like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I got to do this. And that was not helpful either. So I think there's a balance and just making sure that you do have a routine to get you in the flow and that you're ready. So you're not going cold onto the field, Yeah. but also, you know, taking it with a grain of salt and having it be manageable, not mm-hmm. like obsessing basically, which can take practice. But for me, I meditate every morning, mm. but on race days or days that I have a competition, I'll do a special meditation that's based on like performance, athletic performance. So even on the Calm app now, there's actually a meditation by LeBron. I don't know if you've heard it. Really? Yeah. LeBron has a meditation on there, which I love. Oh, um, I'm going to look at that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I meditate, but I do it with intention, thinking about performing. I think about how I'm going to be feeling out there. Like I said, in running, there's a lot of time in your head. And something else that helps me a lot is knowing that I'm supported when I am competing. So even if you're on the field, basketball court, whatever it is, just mentally knowing that you have support, whether that's one person, your family, your brother, whatever it is, mentally, that's super helpful. Yeah. There was a quote that you said on a podcast interview that I listened of you that you were on and you said, you're trying to teach people that a bad game doesn't mean that you are going to have a bad life because a lot mm-hmm. of times athletes, they, when they have a bad game, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm the worst human being in the world. So mm-hmm. can you elaborate on that quote that you said? I think sometimes as athletes, if we're playing at a higher level or not, uh, but you, you, you become so invested in the sport and it kind of gives you, you know, you've got your goggles on and that's all you're thinking about. That's all you're looking at. And you forget that this is just a game and it's one part of you. And yes, it's beautiful and important. And, but if you're taking care of the other parts, I promise you, it's going to show on the field long-term. You know, I've had a lot of athletes, friends, teammates, et cetera, that, you know, have had great success for short term being hyper-focused and putting their every egg into that basket of performing in their sport. But it never lasts long term, in my opinion, mentally and emotionally and for their well-being long term. Mm. So my goal is to help help athletes find that balance earlier on so they can not only perform on the field, but perform in life. Yeah, that's so that's so good. Because again, it's something you're teaching that you were like, man, I wish I would have known this sooner. That's so awesome. Because I think you can get confidence in other areas that contribute on the field. Yeah. So it's just reframing and making sure that you have that soundboard to let you know that what you did during your day or in the classroom and getting that A and working hard and trusting the process that like, oh, this A is also getting me one step closer to playing at the college level because, you know, good grades are important too. Like, you know, it's interesting that people don't connect those dots earlier. Like, oh, I have to get good grades too and perform on the field. Like a lot of times I think we separate. It's like, oh yeah, I'm going to play baseball or softball in college and, you know, like, I got to keep my GPA well. But why aren't we saying, oh, I got to keep me my GPA well and I've got to play. You know, there's always, it's always an imbalance. And you look at, like, high-level athletes and, like, they're not just successful 
in their sport. Most of them. I mean, you see most of them, like they're giving back to their community when they have time off. Like they're going to church. I mean, this is, I, I hate to bring him up because he just passed away, but like Kobe Bryant, they said that the morning he passed away, he went to church with his daughter and like his faith was huge in his life. So knowing that these other elements outside the sport and being as passionate about those as you are your sport can just holistically make you a better human. Therefore, you're probably going to perform better. Definitely. Yeah. I couldn't Ugh, I love this. And I love this conversation. So you have some really cool things that are coming into fruition here very soon. By the time this podcast is released, you're going to have some cool things that are out. So can you share with the audience some of the things that you're up to and how people can connect with you? I'm finishing graduate school this month in psychology. So starting January 1, I'm going to be taking new clients, which I'm super excited for. My website will be launching. It'll be chloemaleski.com. My Instagram is Chloe underscore Molesky. And I also, I mean, you'll see this when you look at my Instagram, uh, but I focus not only on mindfulness and the mental part, but the strength training is super critical for me. And I think for all athletes, because it really, it, it works with the mental part. Yeah. You know, that, that, that mindset, knowing that you're capable to pull 350 pounds, that translates you know, and I, I, I saw that firsthand. So I really like to, you know, support my clients with the strength aspects too. Yeah. You know, one of my little medicines when I feel like, you know, I'm off or I'm not in the flow that you were talking about, it's like, okay, if I just go do a workout and lift some heavy weight and that's very broad, like you need to be doing the exercises, correct. But doing that, it's almost a type of therapy for me. It's like letting me get all of my anger and frustration out, feeling strong because I just lifted, you know, that crazy weight and did a squat with it. Like, holy crap, I feel good. But like, like you said, it's almost, it's, it is therapeutic. So that's awesome. We didn't really dive a whole lot into strength training. So is there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of young athletes on here and maybe a few older ones, but are there specific workouts inside your training that you send people? Yeah. So I definitely make it part of my program if that's what they're interested in, because, you know, some people have strict coaches where they, they're not even allowed to engage with other programs in terms of the the fitness and the lifting and whatnot. But just to give you an overview, a lot of it is single leg movements because when you're playing a sport, you're running and you're on a single leg, Mm -hmm. no matter what, sure. Like if you're running to base, whatever it is. So um, core stability and single leg movements are my bread and butter. And that's what I focus on in my training. So, and then I also do like nutrition consulting. So I will say that some of my clients have come to me, they're athletes, but they were more focused on, hey, I need to be eating better. Uh, like it's showing in my performance now. But what's funny is no matter what, it always transitions into the mental. Mm-hmm. Like they could be coming to me for strength. They could be coming to me for nutrition, but I guarantee no matter what, it's going to come back to these mental things, to these, Yeah. Yeah. That's why you're such an amazing coach for those athletes you work with. I'm pumped for people to start working with you in January. Now you did say, did you say that this is also virtual? So like athletes, you know, in Indiana can still work with you. Yeah. Yeah. So everything I do is zoom. The format is 30 minute calls and it can be weekly or biweekly depending on what your focus is. So you'll see on my website, you can kind of pick a focus. So like if nutrition is something you really want to focus on is if training is something you want to focus on, uh, we can incorporate that. 
Mm, that's so cool. I'm about to schedule one so you can tell me all the things. You know, now that I'm older and like my nutrition, I know is probably more prevalent now than like I need it to be good now, especially because I'm not working out as much as I did in college. So mm. shoot, I might be signing up for a nutrition call from you, Chloe. So uh, just be ready for that. Yep. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Well, before I let you go, I want to ask you a couple final questions and I want to thank you because this has been so fun. I cannot believe that a mutual friend got us connected. This is so mm-hmm. rad. I knew when we were talking, I'm like, she doesn't even really, she doesn't play softball, but like she can totally help the softball community yeah. with the knowledge that she has. And I know that I, you, you shared a lot of knowledge with, with people today and thank you for that. Yeah. I really hope it helped. I love the name of your podcast too. When the cleats come off, because in my mind too, that's what I focus on is when the cleats come off and making sure that we're fostering that those behaviors too, just as much as when the cleats are on. Yeah. Yeah. And, and parents are one of the biggest influences on athletes and like are talking to their athletes every single day. And I think that just conversations like this are able to help parents have those conversations with their athletes. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. So a couple of final questions. The first one that I want to ask Actually, I asked you that already earlier. So the second one I want to ask is, um, what are some lessons that your parents maybe taught you growing up that helped you become the athlete that you are today? Hmm. <laughs> I'm laughing because my mom is in the room now. And oh, she's, I love it. <laughs> and she's she's staying put now because she wants to know the answer to this question. Anyway, um, okay. Lessons that my parents have taught me that have contributed to my success in sports. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. So truthfully from my mom, I think it was the de-emphasis on the sports. So just again, fostering me as a whole person and not just as a runner mm-hmm. from my dad. I think he put it in my head really, or he really, um, he prioritizes fitness and wellness. Like he ran 26 marathons. Wow. He, triathlon he's he's 68 now and he still runs or swims or lifts every single day so him just like seeing those habits early on that must have had an impact on me and then the fact that they provided me with three brothers because I think that definitely has (laughs) a journey in terms of my passion for sports yeah that's so cool so which one are you in the in the line are you the oldest middle oh you're in the middle nice I love that yeah, I have two younger sisters and I feel like they've probably taught me more about myself than anyone. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's, Family. That's so awesome. All right, next question. Who is your favorite sports athlete and why? I'm, I have to say Kobe. <laughs> yes. And I think, you know, we brought him up earlier. But um, he, he was, I had, he was the first jersey I had too. And it, he wore my favorite number. It was eight at the time. And... I, I mean, Mamba mentality, you know, the, the fact that his mental game was so strong and his transition from high school directly into pros and how he did that with grace, that's beautiful to me. Oof, that's so good. I love him too. And I can't add, I mean, I can't not add the fact that he's created centers for like young female athletes, you know, his Mamba centers in Southern California Mm. where, you know, so it's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. And you just moved back from California, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's so neat. I need to go check that out. 
All right. Next question is what did the biggest mental challenge that you've endured? What did that teach you? I, so my biggest mental challenge was definitely, uh, not feeling like I looked like a distance runner and that just infiltrated every area of my life. And what that taught me was to not let other people put you in boxes and to, you know, let yourself live and develop and work through it and figure it out yourself, but don't let other people do that for you. Mm, so good. And you said it was a coach that said that to you early on in your career? You know, he, I, I, I still know him and I hope he's not listening. <laughs> but um, he, yeah, he said it at a really young age and I know he didn't mean it that way, but right. that's it's really important to have a coach. So like I said, if I just had one person that I could have explained that to, that wasn't a parent that was just, you know, because sometimes as much as our parents help us and influence us, they still like, they care about us in a different way than someone that's not in your life in that capacity. Mm-hmm. I just wish I had someone to like bounce that off of them and be like, yo, he was just saying you were strong. Like you're, you're fine. You're not big. You're not like, right. Yeah, if I heard that straight. It probably would have changed a lot of things. Yeah. And I, and honestly, maybe he still lives with that to this day. Like he knows that maybe the way he said it, impacted you and if you I'm like totally not here giving out advice but I feel like if you told him that it would one alleviate that type of maybe weight on your shoulders that you were that you heard this and then another he might he might look at that and be like oh my gosh I need to like apologize it's you don't want to ask them to apologize but like just say that that actually opened up the doors for you, for you loving psychology. So in a way you can almost like thank him for saying it because you learn so much about yourself. But also, I mean, they say the hardest, the hardest things that you've gone through are the things you learn the most from. So man. And that's how you experience the highs. Like the lower you are, the more you're going to experience that high. That's kind of the ironic part. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's so weird. Sports it's crazy. interesting too because the two girls that were faster than me at the time and my teammates, they that were called the thoroughbreds, they remember it too, and they remember in not a good light. Like they were jealous of me that I was being called, you know. So that's mm. why our mind, it's so interesting how yeah. the effects that certain words can have on certain people. And mm-hmm. man, <laughs> coaching's a tough gig. Yeah. <laughs> Parenting, I'm learning, is a tough gig. Now that I have a dog, I can say that. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) All right. Well, before I ask you this final question, I want you to thank you one more time for coming on here. Everybody needs to go follow Chloe. Like, as soon as this podcast is over, go follow her. Um, Go look at all of her stuff. She, She has so much awesome stuff coming out, and I'll be promoting it on my page. And this has been so much fun. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you. Yes, I'm. This is a blast, and I love personal messages. So if you guys DM me, email me, whatever, I will respond, and I I love the engagement. So yes, everybody, go do that. All right. Last and final question I want to ask you is, what is the biggest mental challenge that's holding athletes back in your eyes? Ooh, wow, that's a good question because you know I think each athlete's experience is so different, but truthfully. I think it is what I just said, putting themselves in boxes, like just not realizing their potential and feeling like there are limits on certain things because of the way they look or because of where they come from or because of who they talk to or who their friends are, whatever it is. 
like having these feel like limiting factors that hold them back from really living their true potential on the field and off the field. Mm, so good. Thank you so much for coming on, Chloe. This is a blast. Yes, thank you for having me. So there you have it. Another episode of When the Cleats Come Off is completed. And if you loved it, I would love if you shared this with your softball community. The only way this game grows is if we have people like you that are eager to learn more and are eager to also share that new knowledge with other people. So if this episode really brought somebody that you know into fruition in your brain and you know that they can learn from this conversation, I would love it if you shared it with them because the more people that can learn from this type of conversation, I think the better the game of softball gets. And who knows, maybe this will be shared with other people in other sports because I truly believe some of these conversations, they don't just hit the game of softball, they hit all sports. And if there are people that come to your brain, I would love more than anything if you shared it. If you do share it, make sure you tag me on Instagram Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever social platform you hang out on, I would love to see that you're sharing this. And I would love to see some of your favorite parts. If you do share it, make sure to tag me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Guys, I'm even on TikTok, Ashley V Training, and at Smashly underscore four is where you can find me. And make sure you tell me which part was your favorite. I want to know what resonated with you so that I can create more content like that for you to share with your softball community. I can't wait to share another episode with you. Same time, same place next week. See you later.